Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson, and tonight our guest is Dr. Gilbert Ross, who will be speaking about tobacco harm reduction. Before we start the show, I'm going to do a little blurb for our website and our book. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. And our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon. For more information, go to hamsnetwork.org slash book. Our guest tonight is Dr. Gilbert Ross. He is uh, an MD. He is from the American Council on Science and Health, and he will be speaking about tobacco harm reduction. He's right here with us. Uh, Dr. Ross, Gilbert, how are you doing this evening? Uh, Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's a very important topic, and I hope we can uh, get this message out. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, tobacco harm reduction. Are some forms of tobacco, such as smokeless tobacco, are they safer than smoking tobacco? Most definitely. The most dangerous uh, aspect of tobacco is cigarette smoking. Uh, uh, but paradoxically, and contrary to public health, cigarettes are available almost everywhere. Uh, whereas there are numerous restrictions and public health announcements warning people not to use uh, smokeless tobacco and other reduced-risk tobacco products. Uh, and it's it's really uh, strange because in the United States there are 46 million smokers. We, we've been talking for years about how the smoking rate has declined, and indeed it has. Uh, it's down to something around 20 to 20.5% now of adults in America smoke. But that still leaves 46 million smokers, and we lose 450,000 smokers every year to cigarette-related disease. Something has to be done about that. Now, is uh, the carcinogenic uh, element in tobacco, is that nicotine, or is it something else? Well, uh, I'll answer your question in two parts. One, nicotine. No, it's not the nicotine. The nicotine is powerfully addictive. Uh, However... It is not a cause of, of actual health problems, except it causes a, uh, a temporary rise in pulse rate and blood pressure, or similar, for instance, to a, a cup or maybe two cups of coffee. Uh, but it does not cause heart disease or cancer. Uh, as far as what causes the, uh, uh, the cancers that are associated with cigarette smoking, and there's many of them, on our website we have our classic publication, Cigarettes, What the Warning Label Doesn't Tell You. And it's about a 150-page long book. Uh, Each chapter covers a different part of the body or a different system of the body, each written by an expert in that field, outlining all of the uh, various uh, harms to those areas that cigarette smoking does. Uh, So uh, we don't know what what exactly are the cause of all of these diseases that comes from inhaling cigarette smoke over the course of, of many years. Uh, we don't we don't know if it's which one carcinogen. It's more likely a combination. There's 4,000 approximately 4,000 chemicals in uh, in cigarette smoke, and several dozens of those have been shown to be carcinogens in in animal studies and in test tube studies. So we don't know uh, which of those and which combination of those are responsible for uh, cigarette related disease. Uh, so to outline one carcinogen or this carcinogen or that, we're not sure about that. But we do know that the repeated inhaling of cigarette smoke over the course of 
10, 20, and 30 years is associated with a, a myriad of, uh, of diseases, and the only cure for that is to quit smoking. Now, some of the reading I've done, they've talked a lot about tobacco-specific nitrosamines, or TSNAs, as being the most problematic factor. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes. Well, tobacco-specific nitrosamines are one of a, a group of chemicals, also NNK, natural killer cells, uh, various uh, chemical uh, substances that have been determined to cause cancer when ex in, in rat experiments and in other animal experiments. And uh, the benzpyrene, there's a whole host of them that have been found to be carcinogenic in, in laboratory studies. But again, I'd like to emphasize that the point to this particular chemical or these two chemicals or any combination, it has not been proven that any particular chemical or combination of chemicals specifically are uh, the cause of human cancer or heart disease, et cetera, and many, many different kinds of diseases associated with smoking. TSNAs are almost certainly one factor in the in the causation, but we can't prove that uh, by human experiments or epidemiology, uh, which is why I always have a problem when I see uh, uh, people who make various tobacco products, both cigarettes and smokeless tobacco, saying, "Well, we have lower TSNAs than the other uh, the other product." so we're likely to be safer or less likely to cause cancer. That may be true, but you've got to show me. Just saying you have a lower level of TSNAs is not, is not a, a, a free pass, absolutely. Are these TSNAs, are these what are commonly called TARs, or are they different? A TAR is a, a layman's term for uh, the residua, the uh, well, it's a tar-like substance, but it's the whole the whole conglomeration of uh, of chemicals and 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 other things that that occur in cigarette smoke. When you remove the volatile aspects of it, in other words, uh, smoke is a combination of solids and gases, and probably liquids too. I don't, I'm really not sure of that. Uh, uh, and if you remove the the gaseous uh, constituents, which is the majority of the, of the volume and weight of the cigarette smoke, you're left with a solid uh, 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 tarry-like substance, and that's called tar. But it's a whole host of different substances. Uh, TSNAs are undoubtedly present in the tar, the residua of cigarette smoke. But uh, tar is, is a general combination of, of I don't know how to how I would describe it without getting graphic, so let's just leave it at, at tar. It's a tarry residua. Okay, fair enough. Um and if it you know, when you when you smoke a pack a day for ten years you have all of that all of that gunk or tar, you know, is is deposited in your lungs and Again, to outline one particular chemical out of that morass of, of ten or hundreds of chemicals as the cause of cancer is is, is just not proven. It's just a, a speculation. Well, I, they try to filter out that tar. You know, back in the back in the sixties and the seventies, when uh, cigarette manufacturers, clever folks that they are, uh, invented uh, filter tips. They said, well, of course, you put a filter tip at the end of your cigarette and you know when you're finished smoking the cigarette if you look at the filter it's got a lot of gunk in it and uh, I guess that's less gunk than got into your lungs but uh, it was never shown and it's, it's untrue that filter tip cigarettes are any safer than regular plain unfiltered cigarettes so you know filters don't work you know how can you imagine that removing one constituent is going to help 
Well, I know there's some research that if uh, people switch uh, to filter cigarettes, say they were smoking unfilters, uh, they just smoke more cigarettes to get the, the same amount of nicotine. That's true. Uh, and uh, those, that's, those studies are, are very good studies. They're reliable scientific studies. So some folks in the, in the tobacco control community uh, say, well, why don't we just reduce the level of nicotine in cigarettes so they'll be less attractive to people, uh, they'll be less addictive. And, you know, theoretically I believe that's true, perhaps, but for current smokers, smokers who are used to smoking uh, uh, cigarettes and inhaling a certain number of times, you know, for each cigarette, if you reduce the level of nicotine in cigarettes, they'll undoubtedly smoke more cigarettes or, or they'll inhale deeper and take more puffs or both. So for the 46 million American smokers, uh, reducing the level of nicotine would actually make cigarettes more dangerous because, again, it's not the nicotine that causes the harms of cigarette smoking. It's the tar that gets deposited in your lungs and the chemicals in the tar that get absorbed into your circulation. Well, nicotine is a chemical that gets absorbed into the circulation, and, and the brain loves nicotine. It's you know an addictive and pleasurable substance and is a good part of the reason why smokers keep smoking. But nicotine does not cause a disease. It just helps people uh, keep on smoking, which is you know certainly a bad thing. But just reducing nicotine levels won't work. Well, it seems like a safe thing to do then would be to keep the nicotine and get rid of all the other chemicals. Is there anything like that? But that's a great idea. Uh, I wish we could do that. Hey, you know, we have done that as you were leading me down that path. Uh, there's something called the electronic cigarette or e-cigarette. And what the e-cigarette is, it's a device that looks very much like a cigarette. It's a long white thing. And at the end, it has a tip that uh, that lights up when you inhale. And on the other end, it has something that looks like a filter. And there's a little hole in it. And due to some battery-operated mechanism, <clears throat> when you inhale, it delivers a vapor uh, that's it's sort of pleasant, that has a sort of pleasant taste, and it has nicotine in it and water vapor and uh, something that keeps the nicotine in the, uh, in the vapor, either glycerin or polyethylene glycol or something that's been shown to be you know, safe over uh, decades of use. So... Cigarette smokers who crave nicotine, and also they crave the behavioral component of smoking, the uh, uh, keeping something in your hands, like after you eat or other repetitive uh, habits. Uh, smokers have certain times of the day when they have to have a cigarette, uh, and, and the uh, electronic cigarette replicates that pattern of, of behavior very closely. You have the, what looks like a cigarette in your hand. You inhale, you get a puff of what looks like smoke, except it's not, it's, it's vapor. And you have a little uh, yellow thing at the tip that lights up, although there's, some, there's a company that makes cigarette, uh, e-cigarettes that have a blue tip, so it lights up blue. Uh, this is very helpful, by the way, for smokers who light up an e-cigarette in a bar or in a movie theater or something like that because people seeing that know that it's not a, a regular cigarette. Smoking, of course, is uh, smoking cigarettes is banned in most uh, locations, thankfully. Uh, but they can light up an e-cigarette and uh, without fear because it's not the same thing by any stretch of the imagination as a cigarette. It doesn't cause secondhand smoke. But it does deliver a potent nicotine hit. Now, the problem, and we haven't gotten onto this subject yet, this is as good a time as any. The currently approved methods to help smokers quit, 
the FDA-approved methods such as the nicotine patch, uh, nicotine gum, uh, inhalers, and the, uh, and the pills that are approved for smoking cessation, Zyban, for instance, and Chantix. They don't work. They work very poorly. Uh, the best combinations of uh, those uh, methods increase the success rate of smokers from uh, quitting in a year from, let's say, 5% cold turkey, meaning without any uh, any support, to maybe 15 18% using some combination of all of those methods. Now, 18% is a lot better than 5% if you're talking about millions of smokers, but it's still not what you would call a success, whereas we don't have the data really on e-cigarettes, but millions of people have switched from smoking cigarettes to using e-cigarettes, and they swear by these uh, devices. Uh, I can't give you, you know, a, a ringing endorsement such as we don't say that something is definitely so until we have scientific evidence that it is. And despite the fact that millions of smokers have attested to the uh, benefits of switching to an e-cigarette, we do not have the epidemiological studies to prove uh, that uh, that they've been uh, millions of smokers, a high percentage, for instance, have become ex-smokers and no longer smoke cigarettes. We're hoping that that data will those data will be accumulated soon. Uh, but logically, we can say that it, uh, common sense would tell you that e-cigarettes are much safer than uh, than smoking cigarettes. And and, and again, in a, in a parody and a perversion of public health, the authorities, the officials. Uh, in, in many countries, including the United States, are all opposed to these various harm reduction te uh, technologies. They're opposed to smokeless cigarettes, uh, called snooze sometimes. Uh, they're opposed to dissolvable uh, tobacco products. And they're opposed to e-cigarettes. There was When e-cigarettes first became popular in 2009, the FDA moved to ban them. They moved to to prevent them from being imported into this country. And back then, e-cigarettes are only being made mostly in China. Uh, thankfully, the federal court uh, uh, slapped the FDA down, which is why we still have e-cigarettes. But as I said at the beginning of our uh, discussion, cigarettes, the most lethal form of tobacco product, are, is a, cigarettes are available everywhere. You can't walk half a block. It's either a Starbucks or, or a, uh, uh, a cigarette sales place. Uh, and yet you you have to uh, look for e-cigarettes, and, and nobody knows the facts about smokeless tobacco, uh, which I'll be happy to discuss unless you want to uh, interrupt me. I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> well, yeah, before we go on to smokeless tobacco, I was just going to mention a friend of mine um, was very successful in uh, changing her cigarette smoking. I know she started the e-cigarettes, and very quickly, in a few days, she was down to one or two real cigarettes a day. And I think she quit completely uh, within a rather short period of time and switched entirely to the e-cigarettes. But this brings us to a couple of other points that we might want to address before we move on. One is uh, the addiction experts in the United States are less concerned about you know people's health than about saying stop that stop enjoying nicotine we don't like you to enjoy nicotine we want you to stop yes uh absolutely uh i alluded to that uh without being as clear as as you just were uh the public health officials and uh, at the cdc and the fda 
uh, Department of Health and Human Services, as well as the big uh, nonprofit health organizations like the American Cancer Society, American Heart Association, American Lung Association, etc., are all opposed to harm reduction uh, practices uh, for some reason, despite the fact that the epidemiology we have, which is mostly from Sweden when it comes to smokeless tobacco, uh, clearly shows that uh, smokeless tobacco delivers a satisfaction and nicotine punch that helps more smokers quit. Sweden has the lowest cigarette smoking rate among its males. Uh, the men in Sweden have switched to uh, smokeless tobacco called snus, which is little packets of, uh, of smokeless tobacco, uh, at huge rates. And their rates of smoking-related diseases are the lowest in Europe. Yet our government and other in, uh, organizations refuse to acknowledge this. And they say, as you just said, we're not interested in you uh, uh, getting your nicotine in a safe manner because these smokeless products are, have been shown to be 99% uh, less harmful than cigarette smoking, and we have several publications on our website on that subject. E-cigarettes, as I said, we don't have the data to prove it, but logic and common sense says that they're going to be much safer than cigarettes. Uh, but the, the the mantra, the policy, the official policy that these the, these folks simply can't can't abandon is quit or die. They they say abstinence only. It's it become a fundamentalist point of view to them. It's a moral issue rather than a health issue. We don't want you to get your nicotine, you smokers. You have to quit nicotine. And of course, they don't say that because they have approved the nicotine patch, which delivers nicotine uh, and nicotine gum and all of that other stuff. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the official FDA lo uh, label on nicotine patches is you're not supposed to use it for more than 6 to 12 weeks. And they just don't work. You know, at the end of 12 weeks, 20% or so of smokers are able to be off cigarettes, but they immediately relapse. Uh, after six months have gone by, 90% uh, who quit on, on the patches are back smoking. Uh, so the reason is that the nicotine patch does not deliver the satisfactory nicotine uh, punch. It doesn't get absorbed into the circulation. Uh, as well as uh, the smokeless tobacco and the e-cigarette nicotine does. So uh, they don't want to countenance the fact that smokers uh, still crave their nicotine. They just want them to quit smoking altogether, be off nicotine. And that's fine, frankly. Nobody wants to become an ad addicted to nicotine. But it, you can't just close your eyes and spin around three times or put your head in the sand and pretend that 46 million smokers aren't going to find a way to get their nicotine. They are. And we want them to get their nicotine in the safest possible way. Eventually, we do hope that they are able to get off all nicotine, whatever product they manage to, to use to get off cigarettes. But over the course of, of the near future, we want them to be off the lethal, deadly, and addictive cigarette and onto a nicotine delivery uh, system, either smokeless tobacco or dissolvable tobacco or e-cigarettes, that will reduce the risk of tobacco-related harm by 99% or more. One other observation I wanted to make before we go on is when the pharmaceutical companies make the nicotine product, they call it medicine, and the FDA calls it medicine, but if uh, the e-cigarette manufacturers make a nicotine delivery device, then it's not medicine. And that's just a ridiculous distinction. It's just a nicotine delivery device. 
Well, common sense would agree with you, and uh, the 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 uh, trying to save the lives of uh, 450,000 smokers that we lose to cigarettes every year. That that sounds like very much common sense. Speaking as sort of a devil's advocate, the FDA has uh, procedures to try to keep our uh, drug supply and our food supply safe, and they cannot, by law, uh, say that something is uh, is a medicine and it's safe and effective without studies to prove it. And to be quite blunt, nobody is going to do these studies. They can't be done because you need... Uh, at least five and more like 10 or 15 years to prove that uh, a nicotine replacement product is not as harmful as, as cigarette smoking because the toxicity of smoking builds up over, over 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. So you'd have to have a group of smokers, and it have to be thousands large, and compare them to a group of alternative nicotine delivery products, uh, also thousands large, with either smokeless tobacco or e-cigarettes, and follow them over 5, 10, and 15 years to show that their, uh, uh, the, the danger and the harm from uh, the nicotine uh, is reduced dramatically. And th- that would, that's what it would take for the FDA to give their stamp of approval. What they should do is just keep out of the way. They should, they should you'll forgive me, they should just shut up. Instead of trying to tell smokers not to use the alternative products, which is what they're doing, they're warning smokers away from using the safer products. There's no law or, or regulation that says they have to do that. They could say, we cannot give our seal of approval to e-cigarettes as a uh, reduced harm, uh, uh, harm reduction uh, methodology because we don't have the clinical studies to prove it. At least we don't yet. Uh, but instead, they're telling smokers, don't use those things. Stick to the FDA-approved product uh, and, and because we know that the FDA-approved products don't work. So what they're basically telling smokers is quit or die, uh, you know, which is an untenable position as far as I'm concerned. Now, you throw in, let's forget about e-cigarettes for the moment. We're talking about smokeless tobacco and dissolvable uh, tobacco products, which are just coming into uh, being now, really. Uh, they're also being made by the same tobacco companies that made uh, addictive and deadly cigarettes over the, uh, over the decades. And these same tobacco companies, by and large, are the ones who lied to the public and lied to the authorities and manipulated their product and suppressed the truth and bought uh, clinical uh, studies and corrupted doctors to say that this cigarette was safe and uh, these are my favorite cigarettes. You've all seen some of these old commercials where a doctor with a stethoscope on and uh, would say, these are my favorite, count, you know, count whatever is my favorite cigarette and they don't cause the same disease that other cigarettes do. This was all phony. And uh, the cigarette companies earned a huge measure of distrust, uh, which lingers. But what I'm saying is that was the 20th century. The tobacco companies now, besides following the law, the laws are very much more stringent now, uh, they also see the handwriting on the wall. Cigarette smoking is down in, in the West anyway, in Europe and America. Cigarettes are going down per capita. Smokeless tobacco and other reduced-risk products are going up, and most of the tobacco companies see that, and, and they're able to, to actually uh, you know, uh, join with public health, responsible public health uh, uh, spokespeople such as myself and a very few other orga- uh, organizations besides the American Council on Science and Health who have advocated the use of reduced-risk tobacco products and reduced-risk nicotine delivery systems to help smokers quit. Uh, and 
tobacco companies now have harm reduction uh, departments where they're actually trying to uh, keep their customers from using cigarettes, which they know are going to kill uh, 50% of them over the course of a couple of decades uh, to switch to another product, a reduced harm product. And the public health officials and uh, the ones at the American Cancer Society and, and et cetera are so invested in their hatred and mistrust of the tobacco companies that uh, that the tobacco companies earned with their nefarious behavior over the 20th century that they can't look at the big picture and say, hey, listen, we're in the 21st century now. Let's start from scratch again and see how we can save smokers' lives. No, they have this uh, hate and fear of the, uh, of the tobacco companies who are making smokeless tobacco products now. And that's another factor that gets in the way of a of a productive dialogue, and we hope to uh, we hope to get the parties talking to each other. Well, I know one other thing that uh, a lot of people feel is that uh, the FDA does what is good for the pharmaceutical companies, what will help them make a profit, and if it uh, interferes with the profits of the pharmaceutical companies, the FDA is going to be against it. A lot of people don't trust the FDA very much anymore. Well, the FDA is made up of human beings, and they, they are susceptible to uh, pressures, both political pressure and uh, devotion to their old uh, party line. Uh, to say that they're corrupt uh, by, uh, by being paid off by pharmaceutical companies, I think it's a gross exaggeration. Uh, we think the FDA is a little, uh, little overly cautious, let's say, in, in approving certain uh, new drugs. And as far as the e-cigarette and smokeless tobacco are concerned, uh, we think that they're basically a uh, force for uh, – uh, they're, they're counterproductive uh, as far as helping smokers, as trying to save smokers' lives. Uh, that being said, they are bound by the uh, 2009 law that was passed to give the FDA uh, authority and regulatory authority over uh, tobacco products, uh, the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act. That law was cobbled together over uh, several several years of uh, debate and uh, unfortunately, it's a bad law. Uh, it, it really does very little good for public health. I mean, the law banned uh, candy-flavored cigarettes, for instance. Uh, nobody smokes candy-flavored cigarettes, you know. And they, the public health officials trumpet the big accomplishment. Oh, we got uh, we got laws banning uh, uh, strawberry and banana-flavored cigarettes, so thousands of kids are no longer going to be taking up smoking. You know, that's just made up out of their own heads. There's no evidence that candy-flavored cigarettes ever contributed a significant amount uh, of smokers. Uh, they carved out menthol. Menthol is not banned. Now, menthol is a, the menthol cigarettes are used by uh, millions of smokers. Uh, it, it, so, it so happens for reasons that are not well known. Afro-Americans prefer to smoke menthol cigarettes. Seventy-five percent of Afro-American smokers prefer menthol cigarettes. The whole market is something like 25%, which is a lot of people, and yet uh, they specifically did not ban menthol. Uh, now, we we did a paper on menthol. Uh, I was curious as to why menthol was not banned and, you know, whether it's harmful. And, in fact, menthol in cigarettes is not harmful, any more harmful than the cigarettes themselves, let's say. Uh, so, you know, we don't – if menthol were banned, uh, menthol cigarettes would go off the legal market, but people who prefer menthol – will still find a way to get their menthol cigarettes, which means that they'll buy them from uh, smugglers and other illicit sources. So uh, I think and my organization thinks that banning menthol would not be a good idea at this time. It wouldn't, add, it wouldn't help prevent anybody's illness. 
because menthol in cigarettes is not any more harmful than anything else, as I said. But it would create a huge black market. Uh, but nevertheless, the menthol was, was not banned because uh, this bill was cobbled together in the dark by, by uh, various uh, legislators, congressmen, and senators, and also uh, Philip Morris was said to be uh, at the negotiating table as well. So the law basically didn't do anybody any good. It kind of like, and, and it set up huge hurdles for approving new products. So what happens now is that uh, the reduced-risk products, such as smokeless products and dissolvables and e-cigarettes, have to go through these huge hurdles to prove that they're actually uh, safer than cigarettes before they can be FDA-approved. And as I said earlier, these studies are never going to be done. Uh, so they're never going to get FDA approval. And I think that uh, you know whatever tobacco companies and cigarette companies participated in making this law I think they got their way because basically it freezes uh it freezes the market situation uh into the future you know so uh uh different tobacco companies and number 1 and number 2 and number 3 are going to have their their market protected because there's not going to be any major change thanks to the uh this law which you know the public health officials trumpeted as a huge benefit to public health but frankly it's not now, I believe that's the same bill that uh, prohibited uh, sale over the Internet, or, or perhaps it was sale by mail, of Swedish snooze. I have a friend of mine that uh, had quit cigarettes by using Swedish snooze and was no longer able to order it on the Internet after that bill was passed and then went back to cigarettes. Uh, I'm ignorant of that. Uh, I'm not aware of that being a... Uh a part of that law. That's not to say it's not, because the law is, is quite long and complex. Uh, and if, if that's in the law, I'm unfamiliar with that. It, it might uh, be. It might be a different law. So I don't want to make a mistake and say. But definitely, the law did go into effect that banned the sales over the internet of Swedish snus, and oh. people I knew could not get it anymore. I'm going to look into that. Uh, maybe immediately upon the conclusion of our of our chat, but uh, that that's news to me. Uh, I can tell you this though, on a slightly uh, digression, uh, in the European Union, when Sweden was admitted to the EU in '92, uh, I think 1992, uh, snus was banned in the EU, and it remains banned. You cannot get snus legally in the European Union. However, when Sweden was admitted, they got a uh, pass on that. So in Sweden, snus, where snus was originally made, dating back a couple of hundred years, I believe, in Sweden, snus is perfectly legal. And that's why, one reason at least, why Swedish men have the lowest rate of smoking and the lowest rate of uh, smoking-related cancer in Europe. Uh, and nevertheless, again, in France and in uh, Germany and uh, and Italy, you can get cigarettes, uh, you know, on every street corner, but you can't legally get snooze. And uh, Swedes have been lobbying, and public health officials who know the story on this have been lobbying the EU to relieve that ban because it's exactly the opposite of what's good for public health. The The most lethal and addictive product is readily available. The safest product and the one that could also help smokers get off cigarettes is illegal. Now you figure that one out. Well, I know Swedish news has been studied really in-depth. There was a huge report written by the Royal College of Physicians uh, in the U.K., uh, released in 2007, and it just gave all this information that snus is so much safer than other forms of tobacco. 
Indeed, it, it it sure did. That was uh, John Britton uh, was le- was the lead author of that study uh, by the Royal College of Physicians, and they said basically everything uh, that you and I have just been saying. In addition, more recently, a few months ago, <clears throat> another British scholar, an expert on tobacco studies, uh, wrote a report entitled "Death by Regulation: The EU Ban on Low Risk Oral Tobacco." That's by Clive Bates. Uh, he's at Well, I can't remember. He's at either Oxford or Nottingham. And he goes over the same data that we've just been talking about, how the paradox that in the EU, uh, the uh, smokeless tobacco, the snooze-type smokeless tobacco is is banned while cigarettes, lethal cigarettes are available everywhere. And he, he decries that with very solid data, and he calls for the EU ban to be lifted. Uh, and yet the political atmosphere there, uh, not so much different from here, is is against common sense, and it's against anything with the word tobacco in it, even though these tobacco products are safe and would help smokers quit. Uh, the governments and officials uh, cannot wrap their mind around uh, saying, you know, maybe this tobacco product isn't so bad. You know, they're slaves to the past, and they're slaves to their uh, their dogma, and unfortunately, in our country, somewhat uh, slaves to the uh, to the tobacco regulation law that was passed in 2009. Well, before we leave uh, the topic of smokeless tobacco, I just wanted to mention there there are other smokeless tobaccos. The, the most popular ones in the U.S. are things like Copenhagen and Skoll, which when I was in high school, being a farm boy, <clears throat> I used to chew those. But those are really harsh. They like want to burn a hole in your cheek. Aren't those rather dangerous? Uh, okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, in addition to the official uh, misinformation about smokeless tobacco, there is a lot of general and consumer misinformation uh, confusing uh, the modern smokeless products such as snooze and uh, uh, camel orbs and uh, uh, several of the uh, large tobacco companies now making smokeless products, uh, Marlboro Snus, I think. Uh, these are similar to Swedish Snus in being uh, quite safe and uh, and effective in getting smokers to quit. The ones you're referring to are what people commonly think of in smokeless tobacco, a dip and chaw and uh, chewing tobacco. The modern smokeless products that we've been discussing, as you know, are neither chewed nor spit. They're in tiny little tea bags, and you put them in your mouth and your gum, and it stays there for 10 or 15 minutes, and then, uh, you know, you can take it out discreetly. Uh, that other stuff you're referring to is is more toxic for sure than the, uh, the snooze products we're talking about and way more toxic than the e-cigarettes. But still, they're not nearly as toxic as cigarettes. Uh, I read an article uh, that you wrote, I believe, uh, uh, entitled Tobacco Harm Reduction Part 1, which says all smokeless tobacco is not created equal. And you are certainly correct. Uh, those products, uh, dip and chaw and skull and Copenhagen, that kind of stuff, are more toxic for sure than the modern smokeless products, but they're still less toxic than cigarettes. You have a line in this article that I, I'd like to mention uh, to to uh, advise you that it's uh, not correct. The traditional American dipping snuff like Copenhagen or Skoll is loaded with carcinogens and is indeed likely to give you mouth cancer if you use it. 
Well, that sentence, the way I would read that, when you say likely, means that more than 50% of users will get mouth cancer. And, of course, that's not so, and I'm sure you didn't think so. Uh, the risk, I don't know what the exact percentage is of long-term use of these kind of uh, smokeless products. Uh, it can give you mouth cancer, and it can actually give you heart disease, too, because the constituents are absorbed. But it's nothing even close to what happens with cigarettes. It's still far safer than cigarettes, although maybe quite a bit more dangerous than these snooze type products. Well, that's a reasonable criticism. I'm always cleaning up things on the website and trying to make it a little better. So I'll probably go in and fix that pretty soon. Just say it's uh, way more likely to give you uh, diseases such as mouth cancer than the uh, than the other smokeless products. All right. Uh, before we finish up the show, I was just going to mention, because I was talking to you before we started the show, uh, my form of tobacco harm reduction, I used to be a very mm. heavy cigarette smoker. I smoked unfiltered, hand-rolled cigarettes. So one of my cigarettes is like four Marlboros. Uh, I smoked 25 of those every day, and I quit completely, but I promised myself when I was quitting that I would allow myself up to one cigar a week as a reward without inhaling because you don't have to inhale a cigar. And that's been very successful for me. Uh, well, as John Lennon said uh, many years ago, whatever gets you through the night, I would say that whatever technique a smoker can use to get off smoking cigarettes is worthy. Now, your particular method which is smoking is changing from a very high dose of uh, of cigarettes uh to an occasional cigar or even i would say uh more frequent than that i mean i think if you my own opinion is that if you smoke one or two cigars a day which m many people don't of course and do not inhale the risk of cigar related disease is really quite low uh, certainly much lower than smoking uh, uh, a pack of cigarettes a day. So if a smoker wants to try to get off uh, cigarettes by switching to a cigar or, or a pipe even, I would say uh, that's worth a try. Uh, the risk to health is much lower that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, you know, interestingly, I'm not familiar with any actual studies that show that, but it does also seem to make sense. Well, the important thing is if you switch to a cigar pipe that you don't inhale it like a cigarette. That's, that's very damaging smoke. Exactly. Uh, certainly inhalation for inhalation, cigars and pipe smoking are more dangerous even than cigarettes. Now, my personal choice, I want it to be a recreational nicotine user. So if I smoke um, one every day, I don't get any buzz you know if i wait at least a week between cigars i get a nice nicotine buzz and i can enjoy it <laughs> well to each his own i would say again whatever gets you off cigarettes is is worthy of uh giving it consideration well i think we've covered all our topics so i want to thank you very much for being our guest this evening dr gilbert ross my pleasure and i'd urge your listeners to visit our website acsh.org uh, for more information about uh, this topic and many other public health-related topics. So, thank you, everyone, and come back next week when we will be talking to our guest, Robert Flores, who is the author of Addiction as an Attachment Disorder. It should be really interesting. So, thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night. <laughs>